Hello, I'm Alan Knapp, an editor for Functional Ecology, and today I'm visiting with Amy Austin from the University of Buenos Aires. Amy is the lead author on a paper titled Gregarious Flowering and Death of Understory Bamboo, Slow Litter Decomposition and Nitrogen Turnover in a Southern Temperate Forest, Patagonia, Argentina. Amy, congratulations on the paper and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Alan. It's great to be here. Good. So let me begin by asking you this question. Um, I've, I've followed your work for a long time, and I don't think of you as a bamboo ecologist. So why don't we begin by you telling us something about the background of this study, how you, how you got interested in bamboos, how you took advantage of this, what, what I might call an opportunistic natural experiment. So, so what's the backstory on this research? Okay, I think you, you've uh, landed it just perfectly with opportunistic natural experiment because we're actually, I've been working in Patagonia and ecosystems for a little more than 10 years, and uh, we do a lot of things with carbon and nitrogen cycling in, in natural ecosystems. And we were actually looking for a forest site, um, which is a, a high diversity site um, in, in Patagonia, and we got to the site and we discovered that the bamboo um, was flowering. And so it, it's, it's such a big event and it's, it's over such a large spatial scale that we decided that we really had to take a look at um, how that might be affecting ecosystem functioning. So it was actually almost serendipitous that we, we got there just at the right time. Because one of the things about the bamboos is that um, they flower in unpredictable intervals. So it can range, the flowering events can range from four years to 60 to 120 years. And so you really don't have, and we don't know what the trigger is for those those events. So we don't really know, um, we can't predict that with any sort of degree of certainty. And that's why there's not very much known about um, the sort of ecosystem level impacts of these events because they are so unpredictable and sometimes take a long time to um, to occur. All right, so you, you encountered this you know, massive flowering event. Can, can you tell us, summarize a bit about your findings? Tell us what you learned when you studied this event? Well, we, we, um, we actually obtained some funding to, to look sort of at a number of things. And so one, um, we looked at a, kind of a broad range of both physiological and biogeochemical impacts. And so one of the things we were interested in was how this might affect forest regeneration. And I myself was very interested in, in how it might um, affect carbon and nitrogen turnover because what happens is that it all, this, uh, uh, the understory, which is very dense with this single species of bamboo, all flowers, it senesces, and then it dies all at once. And so what you have sort of is a cemetery of the understory all at one time. And what we thought was that it was going to really have a large impact on both carbon turnover and nutrient availability. And um, as we found it, it, it actually did, but it was a bit surprising because one of the things that we found was that the, the material didn't um, immediately fall to the forest floor and, and become incorporated into the organic matter. It actually stood as standing dead material for four or five years. So we, we didn't see this huge pulse of um, low um, quality litter entering into the forest floor, but yet we did see a slowing of both the nitrogen and the carbon um, cycling uh, at the ecosystem scale. So that was um, one of the things that we found. Um, but, but we were kind of surprised by the fact that this, this disturbance didn't, didn't um, actually was, uh, uh, happened over a number of years, and it didn't just happen in, in, at the one point when the flowering event occurred. And what we did is we actually compared sites that had flowered with, with the very few remnant patches of the sites that didn't flower, which is another mystery because we don't know why those remnant patches do not flower, but, but, um, but they do. And so that what we did was we compared those two things, and we found that, that carbon turnover decreased, but also nitrogen mineralization um, and nitrogen availability decreased. 
So that, that the last the last point was one that really intrigued me. When I read your paper, what are your predictions were that or was that you thought with all this massive dying of the plants, there'd actually be greater nitrogen availability in the soil because these understory bamboos wouldn't be there to take it up. Can you explain why you didn't see that happen? Well, I wish I could, <laughs> but I'm not. Um, uh, I, it was very surprising for us. But what we what we estimated was exactly that. When you have this very dense understory, very green with a, um, a large amount of biomass um, that exceeds the biomass of, of lots of grasslands, um, we expected that the nitrogen availability would um, would immediately increase in the soil. And we think that it could be one of two mechanisms that um, for the reason that it didn't happen. One is that the trees were able to the overstory vegetation was able to immediately um, take advantage of that nitrogen because these systems are very low nitrogen. They're, they're considered to be quite nitrogen limited. And so we think that maybe the overstory trees just were able to take advantage of any of the available inorganic nitrogen that was in the soil. And the other point is that um, this, this sort of contrasting response of having this very low quality litter enter into the soil organic metal pool is going to cause an immobilization pulse. That means that the micro Probes are going to take up that that nitrogen, and that may have been just a much stronger response than the change in the inorganic nitrogen concentrations. So that's what we think. It may be one of the two things, but we weren't actually able to to get a handle on on whether or not the trees were taking up more nitrogen. That was something that was just sort of out of the scale of, of the experiment that we did. So would you predict then that if the trees were taking up that extra nitrogen, you might see a, a particular growth pulse uh, in the overstory after the bamboo die? Yes. No, I, you might expect to see uh, an increase in productivity. Um, at the, I, I would expect to see that at the ecosystem scale, but because we didn't measure productivity in the whole site, we didn't. Um, we can't. I can't answer that question. But that was what be uh, certainly be what what I would expect. So what's next? So is this sort of your one foray into into bamboo ecosystem ecology, or do you envision this being a long term study? Well, I think that this was really interesting for me because I, I, what, it, what it really highlighted for me was how important the vegetation is um, and how it can function as, a, as an ecosystem scale disturbance. And, and I think that I talked a little bit about in the, um, in the paper about how um, it functioned a lot like a physical disturbance. But when you have this sort of massive homogeneous response of the vegetation that causes um, at a really large spatial scale, you can, it almost had the effect like, like something like a hurricane or a fire in the sense that um, you have this sort of this homogeneous effect across a, a, a large area and it, it really did have a, a substantial impact on, on biogeochemical cycling. And so I, um, it sort of opened my eyes, I guess, to, to how powerful um, these sorts of physiologically controlled um, uh, mechanisms are for affecting ecosystem ecology. So um, I, uh, the bamboo's flowering in another part of Patagonia, so maybe I should head down there and, and see what, what's happening. <laughs> So have you, are these long-term plots so that you envision going back and saying? We certainly are still. We continue to work in these plots, and um, we're watching the, the bamboo regenerate. Um, and what's happening now, it takes about, in total, about 15 years for it to return to its pre-flowering um, state. And uh, we're getting close now because we're at about 10 years after the flowering. And, and um, we're seeing that it's become, you know, it's, it's, it's completely dominating the understory. And, and we're just looking to see what's going to happen. But the last flowering event at this area was 1940. So I, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to continue the long-term research until the next event. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one last question, Amy. Um, 
you know, as ecologists, we're always we're very concerned about climate change and and how that's affecting plants, both understory and overstory. Are there any indications that this whole bamboo flowering phenomenon is being impacted by climatic changes? Well, I think that's a really interesting question, and, and I think it, it certainly could be being affected by climatic variability. But the baseline is that this is still a mystery um, as to why they flower and, why, and, and how they are actually able to synchronize their flowering over these very large areas. Because if you think about it, it's, it's hard to imagine any sort of um, trigger that could accumulate over a 60-year time frame um, and, and trigger that flowering event. But I think that all the changes... That are, that are due to, to human activity that are, that are affecting both climatic and, and land use change could potentially alter these physiological um, mechanisms, or at least the sensors for these. Um, so I can't say um, definitely yes or definitely no, and, and um, once we have a better handle on why they do this and, and how they're able to synchronize their flowering, we might have a better guess as to whether or not climate change would affect them. Amy, thanks very much for visiting with us today, and really congratulations again on a really interesting paper. Okay, thank you, Alan. It was great to great to talk to you. All right, bye bye. Bye.